Hello, and welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the only podcast of interest. I'm your, I'm one host, Jill Chacha, and I am with the amazing tea drinking Marissa Riley. Thank you. I am here, and uh, I guess uh, podcast of interest, I guess that makes us suspects. Yeah, I should have, <laughs> I should have uh, thought about that before saying those words. <laughs> Um, especially since we're going to talk about a lot of dead people today. Oh, no. <laughs> so, Just shit. to clarify, we have not murdered anyone. Yeah. Yeah. We That's my not. official statement. <laughs> if you want to uh, know more, I need to have a lawyer present. So, so. luckily, everybody that we're going to talk about today is long, long dead. Long, long dead. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> I won't call the lawyer then. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, today we're going to talk about um, what's in a grave. And it's, this episode is kind of like uh, we're going to meander through Ooh. a cemetery of sorts and take a peek into the graves of some of the most famous beings. Ooh. Uh, we're going to see what they were buried with and what, if anything, those items had to say about them. I'm excited. Yeah. Also, I'm probably going to spend a lot of this podcast thinking about what I would put in my grave. Yeah, think about it and then we'll uh, we'll talk about it at the end. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So everybody at home think about it and then you can email us what your your tokens would be. Yeah. At, well, that's interesting. pod at gmail.com and we'll read them over the air and such and such. <laughs> Especially the such part. Yes. Okay. Let's start today's uh, mostly lighthearted show um, <laughs> with probably one of the most famous kings of Egypt, uh, Tutankhamun. Mm. Uh, picture it. It's 1925, and British archaeologist Howard Carter found himself opening one of the greatest mysteries to follow King Tut. Mm. Within his lavish tomb, a curious undecorated box was found. Within it contained two miniature coffins each placed side by side, head, head to feet, yeah. What? The only identification included a clay tablet, which had the markings uh, of the royal family seal, and the seal does not fuck around. It's a jackal standing over nine captives. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's so intense. There, there's a lot to unpack there. Yes. Uh, I won't unpack it today. <laughs> I'll just unpack it during my nightmare tonight. (laughs) What a family fucking crest. Um, The coffins themselves had a simple engraving that stated the Osiris. Pride open, they revealed something quite shocking. The boy king was buried with his two stillborn daughters. Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my god. Now, I have a photo of one of the coffins. Can you... Describe. We'll, we'll put it on the Instagram. Well, that's yes. interesting. Pod, um, but just just for funsies, describe this uh, this coffin. It's. I mean, now that I know what it is, I can kind of gauge the size. So it looks like a uh, like I think everyone's seen like a photo of the the King Tut sort of a sarcophagus. Yes, is what you would call it. Yeah. So it's this. It has like a similar head. So yeah, a, a big gold face and and kind of the, I, I guess it would be a headdress or or um, yeah, you know what what they would wear on top. But then the rest of it, uh, does look like a like a classic horror movie mummy. 
and it's tiny and it's just sort of like a, a little body. It is. <laughs> it is a little body. You got to look at this picture and, uh, and then just think about it and then, yeah. you know, stare off uh, through a foggy window and think about it some more. <laughs> there you go. Now, when the girls were brought in for scanning, it was revealed one girl was a mere 11.8 inches in height. I know, and estimated to be around five months. Oddly, she wasn't mummified. There was no abdominal incision or any traditional signs of the process. Interesting. She did get that sweet um, head part of the sarcophagus. Yeah. Again, don't know exactly what to call it. Apologies. <laughs> um, but yes, she she got so that. You're not an archaeologist so. this whole time? I thought you... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Is that what I told you? <laughs> I do that every time I drink tequila. I really <laughs> need to stop telling people. Uh, well, we'll talk about it after. Um, so the, <laughs> the, the other girl, though, was completely decked out. Ooh. There was crisscross bandaging and a series of pads around her legs and chest. Under the pads were delicate fibers, which wrapped a slightly larger body, about 14.2 inches in oh, height. Oh, I wonder, does that make her more special? Because she's a little bit bigger. Ah, we shall see. Ooh. So, uh, she was also embalmed, quote, for the skull had been packed with salt-soaked linen inserted through the nose and an incision made in the groin to introduce more salted linen before sealing the opening with resin, end wow. quote. Uh, and that is from... Our source today for this section, ancientorigins.net. Her eyebrows and eyelashes remained intact, and it was originally believed she was about seven months old. Oh, okay. So she'd spent some time on the planet. Perhaps. So a lot of questions came up. Like, yeah, yeah, were they from two different mothers? Uh, Were they not related at all? And were mere, like, air quotes pure vessels for King Tut to inhabit in the afterlife. Mm. Um, Doctor... <laughs> mm, yes, of mm, course. Yes. <laughs> that option. <laughs> Forgot about that one. <laughs> Dr. Robert Connolly, an, uh, an, anton- yeah, an anatomist, got a hold of the girls back in 2008. Oh, wow. And he believes, quote, the two fetuses in the tomb of Tutankhamun could be twins, despite their very different sizes, and thus fit better as a single pregnancy for his young wife. This increases the likelihood of them being Tutankhamun's children. I studied one of the mummies, the larger one, back in 1979, determined the blood group data from this baby mummy, and compared it with my 1969 blood grouping of Tutankhamun. The results confirmed that this larger fetus could indeed be the daughter of Tutankhamun, and we believe that they were twins, and they were both his children." Mm. End quote. Connolly also determined that the twins died from, quote, twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, where the blood flow to the twins is unequal, making one grow much larger than the other. Uh, It was a syndrome that both children would have been unlikely to survive in ancient times, end quote. Uh Um, It also didn't help that the girls were a product of a long line of um, inter-family breeding, Uh. uh, if you will. It's theorized Tut was the son of his father and his aunt. Oh, God, that's right. That's right. 
That was there's a You may have let let that information slip a couple days <laughs> I ago. I had a, I had to say something. I had to tell someone in the room. You you did tell me and it was fitting because I was watching um The Crown and thinking very deeply about the uh English lineage. Oh yeah. As far as um as far as uh, how they, you know, bred in the family. <laughs> to put it in a phrase. Um but yeah. this is this takes it whole new level. Just Whole new brother level. sister situation. Not even trying. Not even no, trying. Not even a cousin. Just, no, just oh hey you. <laughs> it's like it's just, uh, let's do it. Um, so he was the son of his father and his aunt, uh, and I'm gonna butcher her name. His wife, An Kesanaman, was you guessed it, his half sister. Oh god, so, <laughs> you guys. So uh, uh, they needed like um. Like an Egyptian, like Tinder or something. Yeah, just a couple of just just a couple of tablets. Just yeah. bring some tablets. Someone someone puts them like on a donkey's back and <laughs> and carries the tablets the through go. town. There's a little stick figure. No, actually, there's the beautiful Egyptian paintings. All right, we're gonna figure all this out. <laughs> gonna, you know what? We're gonna go back in time. We're gonna go back in we're time. Fix this. And we're gonna fix this. <laughs> and just You're ruin welcome. everything. <laughs> Uh, so this all certainly has the makings of a truly disturbing Netflix drama, um, and the series would end with, perhaps, a mourning father whose last request was to be buried with his only children. Uh, now, that was sad, but I promise, after this commercial break, we're going to talk about some modern folks being buried with some heartwarming shit. Yeah! <laughs> Stay tuned. And we're back. We're so back. We're so back. We're so back. And we're starting off with one cool son of a bitch, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, yeah, Bogey. Bogey, who uh, was born in 1899, died in 1957. Um, after 12 years of marriage and one hell of an acting career, the Bogey succumbed to cancer and was cremated. Mm. Um, before being laid to rest at Forest Lawn Memorial Gardens, his widow, extraordinary badass and fashion icon, Lauren Bacall. Yeah added a small gold whistle to the urn. Oh. On it, an engraving stated, quote, if you want anything, just whistle. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm clutching my I know. chest right now. Everyone is. Everyone's just, oh, it's just... I love that. I wonder if she ever hears it, like, oh, just just because she's thinking about him, and yeah. then she'll hear a whistle, and, and it'll be his ghost. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Cool. <laughs> Uh, Humphrey gave this whistle to Lauren years earlier, and she held on to it ever since. The quote itself is a reference to the 1944 film To Have and Have Not, the first movie the two actors starred in together, and the film where they first met. I didn't think it could get cuter, um, but then it did. And then it did. Wow. Ah, there's a sultry moment where Bacall's character turns to Humphrey's and says the following before leaving the room. Now, I'm going to play a little clip for everybody to hear uh, what she says. And here we go. Okay. You know you don't have to act with me, Steve. You don't have to say anything and you don't have to do anything. Not a thing. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and... Low. There you go. Um, <laughs> and from that, Bogart made his little love token. 
Amazing. I know. Also, I suggest watching this clip. Um, yeah. I, I forget sometimes. Sometimes I think about other things, but I need to think more about the fact that Lauren Bacall is the coolest person in the world. Yes. Hands fucking down. Lauren Bacall is amazing. The coolest. She has, like, the coolest voice. I think she she had, like, the coolest outfit on. It was gorgeous. I think there were shoulder pads, and she was making it work. So <laughs> highly recommend quick Google search. Lauren Bacall. Take five minutes out of your day and remember how freaking cool. Fucking amazing. She is. Yeah, she was wearing like this pantsuit and it was 1944. That was a pantsuit? Yeah, it was like. My it, mind is blown. Yeah, it's uh, just extraordinary confidence. Just fuck. Amazing. Yeah. Ah, so let's move on to uh, comedian George Burns. Sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, George Burns, born in ancient times, 1896. Holy shit. And died before some of our listeners were even alive, 1996. And for those lovely people, y'all can Google him too. And you'd see in every photo, he's holding a cigar. Uh, True to his image, he was buried with three cigars in his breast pocket. And most likely, three of his favorite brand, El Producto Queens. Oh, I like that. Yeah. In a 1994 interview with magazine Cigar Aficionado, Burns explained why he chose these over any other. Being an expert showman, he said, quote, The reason I smoke a domestic cigar is because the more expensive Havana cigars are tightly packed. They go out on stage while I'm doing my act. The El Producto stays lit. Ah, hey, look at that. There you go. Now, if you're on stage and your cigar keeps going out, you have to keep lighting it. If you have to stop your act, you have to keep lighting your cigar, the audience goes out. End quote. There you go. It's words of wisdom. like a true comedian. That's right. I'll have to remember that next time I'm on stage (laughs) with my stupid uh, Havana cigar. (laughs) It's like this damn Havana. Been doing it wrong this whole time. (laughs) Been losing that audience. It was just the cigar. Damn. Uh, Less inspiring is John F. Kennedy Jr., 35th president of the United States. Um, other than women, among the things he liked to collect was something called <laughs> sorry, so, uh, something called scrimshaw, pictures or designs etched into pieces of whalebone wow. or walrus tusk. Wow, that's so specific. <laughs> yes, it is. These were mostly created by whalers living in New England, uh, in the New England area of the United States, and this might be the whitest thing you hear today. Beat me to it, was going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> From SmithsonianMag.com, quote, A particular favorite was a nine and a half inch long whale tooth engraved with the presidential seal by scrimshaw artist Milton Delano. First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, who had commissioned the piece, gave it to her husband for Christmas in 1962, end quote. This stocking stuffer was placed in John's coffin, along with letters from his family, gold cufflinks, a PT-109 tie clip and silver rosary from brother Robert Kennedy uh, was also buried with John. And finally, I'm sure, most of America's ho- horrible secrets. Yeah. Uh, Not as cute as the bogey of Bacall. No. Um, although, true hero, Bella mm. Lugosi. Love Bella Lugosi. He was buried in full Dracula regalia. Yes! <laughs> God, I think uh, I think he wins. I think he wins. <laughs> that makes and that's... me so happy that that's real and exists on this planet. <gasps> oh my gosh, podcast over! I don't think that's amazing. We're done. 
Sorry, yeah, continue. That's, that's all I had to say about it. That's all there's there to say. I wrote that one sentence and I'm like, that's it. And there's that's nothing it. I have to say. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Continuing our stroll, uh, let's stop at famous crooner and twice arrested Frank Sinatra, yeah. who was buried in 1998 with a bottle of Jack Daniels, a pack of Camel cigarettes, a lighter, and about a dollar's worth of dimes, quote, reportedly in case he needed to use a payphone. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Now, Blue Eyes was supposedly introduced to whiskey by comedian Jackie Gleason, who most of our listeners will probably have to Google as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> in any case, Sinatra was smitten with the booze and was rarely on stage without it. Mm. Interviewed by Esquire magazine, the singer is quoted as saying, I'm for anything that gets you through the night, be it prayer, tranquilizers, or a bottle of Jack Daniel, end quote. So wherever you are, Frank, I hope your favorite, three or four rocks, two fingers and a splash, gets you through. There you go. There you go. Uh, now let's wrap up with two LGBTQ titans. Yeah. And kings in their own right, William S. Burroughs and Andy Warhol. Love it. Now, Burroughs' life can be a multi-season Netflix drama in itself, uh, if you aren't caught up on this beat writer, gay icon, anti-hero, heroin addict, and mystic, and you have 20 minutes, I highly, highly suggest you read his wiki page. So we're giving a lot of people a lot of homework assignments in this, yes. I just noticed. Well, how about we'll make a, a bulleted list? I'm kidding. We won't give you a bulleted list. <laughs> no. You can make it yourself. <laughs> uh, but first, read William S. Burroughs' wiki page. Um, let's put it this way. He lived a life that's really unimaginable and impossible today, uh, sharing an apartment with Jack Kerouac in Ginsburg when Manhattan was cool and Jesus. rent was $400. What? He married one woman fleeing the Nazis so she can gain American citizenship, uh. but married another, of which he was convicted of culpable homicide, by shooting, her, by shooting her in the head on a drunken night in Mexico while fleeing another crime. Oh my god. Uh, spent the later part of the 1950s doing hard drugs in Tangier while writing the novel Naked Lunch, which was then banned in L.A. and Boston due to obscenity laws. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope he's getting some sleep. <laughs> Honestly, he did more drugs than any musician alive or deceased, and he liked to paint by placing a spray can in front of a canvas and then shooting it with a shotgun. Okay. Um, and this summary did not even scratch the surface of this guy's life. Um, Damn. I know. In August 1997... He suffered a heart attack and was buried in the family plot located in St. Louis, Missouri. On a grave simply marked American writer. Wow. <laughs> he was laid to rest with his 38 caliber revolver, a sword cane, a ballpoint pen, a fedora, and a joint. You know, sometimes I think I'm interesting and, um, <laughs> and I'm wrong. Like, this is... Like, what? Do not compare yourself to never this this it seems almost impossible that it, that he lived a life that I didn't even it's not even one percent of the shit that this guy did. Did he sleep? Like only when he did heroin. So yeah. <laughs> that's the only time he slept. Uh which he sold heroin in Lower East Side for years. Oh yeah, okay. that's another thing that he did. Ah and finally fellow gay Andy Warhol, somehow, Amazing. yeah, somehow a bottle of Estee Lauder perfume ended up with him for all eternity. Amazing. Did he even like it? 
Some say the icon was holding it at the time of his burial. Others say a friend tossed it into his coffin. Either way, it makes sense that this little something was what he was buried with. In his book, The Philosophy of Andy Warhol, from A to B and back again, he admits, quote, Sometimes at parties, I slip away to the bathroom just to see what colognes they've got. Love this. Also do it. (laughs) Sorry, continue. I never look at anything else. I don't snoop. But I'm compulsive about seeing if there's some obscure perfume I haven't tried yet or a good old favorite I haven't smelled in a long time. If I see something interesting, I can't stop myself from pouring it on. And then for the rest of the evening, I'm paranoid that the host or hostess will get a whiff of me and notice I smell like somebody they know. I really love wearing perfume. I think every <laughs> every single sentence, every single moment in that paragraph you just read is disgustingly relatable. Yeah. I Yes, everything <laughs> from the... The snooping. It is snooping, Andy. That is snooping. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. If you have to open a drawer, you are snooping. <laughs> and people keep shit in drawers. And uh, uh, been there. I have to look at people's products. I'm making this about me. And <laughs> the anxiety that comes with it. Of course, you're going to try something. You can't not you go. try something. Especially in a rich person's bathroom. Oh, yeah. Love to. a rich person's bathroom. I have to smell all of their candles because those <laughs> candles are like hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You like them for a little bit? You spend too long in the bathroom? <laughs> you just take a bath? <laughs> take a bath. Take some pills. <laughs> yeah, take whatever you know. pills are in a rich person's bathroom. Yeah, pocket some uh, moisturizer. Mm-hmm. Just fill your bra, fill one part of your bra with <laughs> pills. <laughs> And then fill the other part of your bra with uh, a candle or some moisturizer. There you go. There you And go. then just spend the rest of the evening as though nothing is in there. Exactly. But stress about it the whole time. <laughs> Break into a cold sweat. Break into a cold sweat, which you will later remedy with some Lemire moisturizer that you stole. Cool. So it all, it all takes care of itself. It all takes care of itself. I think I'm going to start a snooping beauty... A podcast later tonight. You should call it. What? You should combine Snoop with Goop. (laughs) Oh my God. Scoop. Scoop. I'm making myself laugh. I'm sorry. I love it. Scoop? Scoop? No, Snoop. Snoog. Okay. I don't know. I will get back to you guys on on this. We're going to work on it. We're going to work on it. It's a Snoopy Goop situation. Snoopy Goop. Point being, I love uh, Andy Warhol's uh, quote, and I love that someone threw in some random Estee Lauder perfume. That's great. I wish I knew which one it yeah, was. Yeah, hopefully he liked that one. Yeah. Oh. Uh, we won't know. Uh, do you know what you'd be buried with? I don't know. It's so, so much pressure. I don't know either. All I can think about are types of food. That's <laughs> Bury us with various seamless menus. Seamless menus. I'm like looking around. I'm like, what's something I need? What's something I need? What's something I need? I don't know. I can think of nothing. I like the food thing. Yeah. Bury me with a hamburger. Bury me with a taco. Bury me with like a small container of tortillas. I feel like I will need that. That? In the afterlife. that's That's so gay and logical. Thank you. You know. Yeah, what about I like you? I like the seamless. Me- I like the food thing. Food thing, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I like the food thing. Burritos. Burritos. Just like a burrito pillow. Okay, put a burrito under my head. 
I love this. Okay, you win. I don't win. I it's like Bella Lugosi and then you with your burrito pillow. It's pretty good. Yeah. I can tell you one thing. Do not bury me with my phone. I hate my phone. I don't want it in okay. the afterlife. Okay. Leave it out. Okay. We'll just, I'll just scroll through everything that you've Enjoy. Okay, great. It's, oh. it's a lot of really okay selfies. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, guys, email us. Well, that's interesting. Pod at yeah. Gmail. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll read it over the air if you want. Yeah, or anything interesting. Uh, stay interesting. Please do. Bye. <laughs>